Father, uh, as we get into your word tonight, I do pray, God, that you would open up our hearts and our minds. Lord, as we work through this uh, introduction to this letter, I do pray it would get our hearts in that place where we're prepared to come to your table. Lord, we thank you. We thank you that, God, we can lift up our hearts to you. We have, we have people who have musical talents and great voices that we can sing together. We can just lift up our hearts and, and come into that throne room, and we just want to continue that attitude, that heart, as we get into your word. And again, I thank you, God, for raising up this, this man called Paul who poured his heart out to people of his generation that, that speaks even still to our generation. So we do pray that you would bless this time. We pray that we would glean truths about you and we would be drawn closer to you. And we ask these things in Jesus' name, amen. Hey, as we begin this letter, what's interesting to me is Colossae was like no, nowheresville. Like it was one of those, I mean, when you read the book of Acts, it's not even mentioned. Nowhere in the Bible is it really mentioned except here the fact that Paul wrote them a letter, which is, to me, kind of interesting. In fact, and as we've been studying, it sort of blows my mind that this guy wrote four letters. He wrote the letter to Ephesians, the letter to Philippians, the letter to Colossae, the letter to uh, 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 Philemon, and all four of those went out about the same time. I kind of get this picture, and most of us know he wrote them from prison. So he's in prison, and he sends out, and, and you, you kind of get this picture that these guys just like disperse, and you know, there can be some arguments over who took what letter where. You know, we know that, that, that uh, you know, some of, the, some of the people taking the letters, but I don't think that's the important part. The important part I think of is here these letters go out, and in all of these letters, Paul doesn't like whine about being in prison. As a matter of fact, he writes to encourage the churches that are struggling. They're having a hard time. They're having a difficult time, and he writes to them. Now, this church in particular, this one really blows my mind, and I don't know if you know it, but Philemon was part of this church. So the letter to Colossians and the letter to Philemon are both to this town, Colossae, that kind of like, is, uh, as I said, and by the way, right after these letters were delivered, Colossae was destroyed by an earthquake. So it kind of just like disappeared. You know, it kind of went away. And it's like even, even I, my understanding is even, sorry, indigestion. But if you go, even if you go to Turkey today, all you'd see is just a mound. It's like, it's like, you know, you can go to Ephesus, you can see Ephesus, and then I guess you look across this valley. I haven't been there, but you look across the valley, and I guess there's just this mound. So it was never rebuilt, never, so here's the thing. It's not an important city. As far as we talk about historically, or, you know, as far as the, the, even the powers to be at that time. But check this out. It was important to God. And that's what we need to understand. Now, Paul did not plant this church. As a matter of fact, it's pretty evident he never even went there. And yet, listen, yet he has a heart for these people. This guy Epaphras shows up in Rome at, at Paul's, I was gonna say penitentiary, but I think he had to rent it out, but shows up and says, hey, Paul, man, we're having some trouble back in Colossae. I, I take from 
Now we're gonna see in, in, in this first chapter and the fourth chapter, I think, I think Epaphras was the pastor there. I think he planted the church. I think he was the pastor there and, and, and loved those people dearly. So he shows up and he lets Paul know, hey, there's some stuff going on in this church that is pretty incredible when you think about the churches, all the churches around there, Philippi wasn't having major problems, all a little bit with Euodia and Syntyche and they're kind of arguing and stuff. And Ephesus wasn't having a major problem at that time. Later on, Jesus rebukes them about leaving their first love. But when you look at all the churches, this one, this one was being infiltrated by people who were pulling others away from the gospel. And here's what I know, the things that he addresses are things that we're dealing with today. Whether you're in the first century or the 21st century, heresy is heresy is heresy, and there's always those who will come in and prey on those who are biblically ignorant. And this is why we always tell you, read through your Bible, know your word, because if you don't know the word, man, there are those who are gonna come and rip you off and come and try and tug you and drag you into another place. And that was, that's what was going on in Colossae. Now, here's the thing, the people that were involved in the heresy there are a group of people, and later on, by the third century, they were known as Gnostics. There was this whole uh, 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 heresy that was going through the church, and it really didn't develop strong till the third century. So some people say the heresy at Colossae was, was Gnosticism, although it's, it's not. It's maybe the birth of Gnosticism or the infantile, the infant stage of Gnosticism. But listen, bottom line, it's this. They get real mystical about things, and you have to have a certain intellect ability, and you have to have the decoder rings, I talk about that all the time, to really understand what's going on. And so they're coming in and they're letting these people at Colossae know, you guys believe, but that's not enough. And here's what they're saying. Jesus is not the answer, and Jesus is not enough. It's good that you know Jesus. Hey, we're really happy for you, but we need to go a little bit further. Any of you ever been approached by people kind of telling you something similar to that? Yeah, some of us are nodding our heads. I remember as a young Christian, a, a group, there used to be a group, and, and uh, I'm trying to, they were called the King's Word Ministry, and it was all about, and here's, here's their thing, the word was not Jesus, but the word was what you needed to get in you to get enough. And they're not talking about this word. They're talking about the mystical word. So listen, people coming in, it's the same lie, new package kind of said differently. So the Gnostics were all about that. And then, uh, and then in Gnosticism, and we'll even see it kind of played out here in, in the letter to Colossians, matter was evil, spirit was good. So anything physical was evil. Now, that plays out in a couple different ways in this church. It plays out in some ways where some people became very, you know, and, and bought into asceticism where, where you would separate yourself and, and try and be pure and holy and, you know, that whole thing where you beat yourself and, and you're against your body and you're going to make your body mine. And there was that group, but then there's the other group who, hey, it doesn't matter what you do with your body as long as your spirit is okay. Guys, hear any teaching like that going on today? Hey, you, you can do whatever you want with your body, but spiritually, you're okay. And again, so all of that's going on. So that's what's happening there. And so Epaphras shows up, or, uh, uh, shows up with Paul, and he goes, hey, Paul, here's what's happening. 
What are we gonna do about it? Now, I want you to think about, if somebody came to you and said, hey, here's what's going on in the church, and you have the ability to address it. God has put you in a position where you can address that situation. How do you address it? How do you start? Do you hammer on the heresy? Do you come and say, hey, this is wrong, this is wrong, this is wrong, this is wrong? Or do we take Paul's cue and come in and build the people up so that they can stand against the heresy? I think that's important that we understand. And we need to be built up so that we can stand strong. Listen, if you just pound on what's wrong, here's what's gonna happen. Some people are gonna be so intrigued about what's wrong, they're gonna go investigate it further and get deep into it. So, hey, we need to just say, hey, stand strong, follow Jesus, and the whole, if we wanna put an umbrella over Colossians, it would be this, and we kind of sang it that last song. Christ is sufficient, period. You don't need anything else. So now, all of that was introduction, kind of getting us into it. So we're going to talk about the sufficiency of Christ. So Paul is he's writing. Verse 1. Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God, and Timothy, our brother. So even as he begins, notice in this one, he's pulling that apostle card, I like to call it, right? He's letting them know, listen, I have some authority. But here's what I love. It's not his authority, it's God's authority, right? What does he say? I'm an apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God. It's not something, listen, you don't become an apostle because you went to this school or that school or you did this thing or that thing. You become an apostle by the will of God. God chooses leaders in the church. I think he does the same thing today. I don't think it matters where you go to school. Of course, it can be helpful, it can be good. But that's not the criteria. The criteria is, has God called that individual into that place? And here's what Paul says. I am who I am, not like Popeye because of what he eats, right? Some of you remember that. I am who I am. That just popped in my head. But I kind of have a picture of him, don't you? So anyway, let's go. Come on, get out of there. All my mind is like... I'll forget the rest of what I was going to teach. I'm just like looking at Popeye. So listen, Paul says, I'm, I'm going to change that. I am an apostle by the will of God. I'm not going to do that. So I can't do that anymore. So listen, he's there because God has called him there. And then I love the idea, who's still with Paul? Timothy. Timothy's still hanging out. Listen, and Timothy, our brother. So notice, notice right in the beginning that, I don't know what's wrong with this microphone, sorry. But right in this beginning, Paul is getting into that inclusive thing. Again, not, not in a compromised way, but inclusive. It's Paul, and what does he say? Our brother, not my brother, our brother. Paul's never been to this church, but notice how he's bringing them in already. He's bringing them into that relationship and, and bringing them into that fellowship that's extremely important if you're gonna try and come against, listen, against some false teaching. So then, who's it addressed to? I love this. To the saints and faithful brethren in Christ 
who are, now the, the New King James says, who are in Colossae, but some of the other translations I think is a little bit better. He says, to the saints and faithful brethren who are in Christ, who are at Colossae. Listen, they're in Jesus, but they're living in Colossae, because that's an important thing to think about. They're in Christ, they're in fellowship, they're part of this family, but they just happen to reside in this place called Colossae, but kind of separate this a little bit to the saints, and we've talked about that as we've been introducing the other, the other letters. When we looked at Ephesians, we looked at Philippians, right? And I think most of us by now, I'm kind of looking around, we don't have a lot of new people, but saints, listen, if you are in Christ, you're a saint. That makes you a saint. You don't have to, you don't have to like get sainted by somebody or recognized by somebody. Every believer who's born again is a saint, and, you know, I think sometimes that's important for us to understand. Because once you understand who you are in Christ, you're going to live, I think, a little bit different. Like when I think about, when I think about, as God looks at me, I'm a saint. And I think, wow, I think I want to live and honor that, quote, sainthood. I want to be that person. And then I like the idea that once a year, everybody stops and celebrates me. St. <laughs> Patrick. Thank you very much. So it's kind of it's interesting that the whole world stops and recognizes me on one day of the year. I like that. But then notice he says this, and faithful brethren. Now I think he's doing this. I think he's saying to the saints and faithful brethren, they're the same. There are some who separate. Well, there were the saints and then they were the faithful. Well, let me tell you something. If you're a saint, you're gonna be faithful. It's like, it's like, come on, it's like, it's like some people try to do a hierarchy. I don't think he's doing that. I think he's using two different descriptions for the same exact people. They're saints and they're faithful in what they're doing. So that's who Paul's writing to. And he says, listen, to those faithful brethren who are in Christ, who are saved by him, and who are at Colossae, and then he does his typical Paul thing, but I think it's important to go over. Grace to you and peace from God, our Father, and the Lord Jesus Christ. Remember, again, grace is getting what you don't deserve, right? Because we get the grace of God, and, and, and grace, again, is, is what God gives us, not what we earn, not what we deserve, but what God gives, you, gives us. And in that grace, when you fully understand grace, then, listen, then you have this thing called peace. And it's not just, listen, it's not just a cessation of hostility. It's a wholeness. It's a oneness. It's you're, you're, you're completely full and you're at peace. So this is what Paul, listen, Paul says that's a greeting, but I think it's more than that because he says it's from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. So once again, Paul's including, right? Now, now he's going to, after he introduces who's writing the letter, who he's writing to, now he's gonna talk a little bit and kind of, I think, I think of it this way. He's kind of introducing himself and, and what direction we're gonna go but he wants to build these people up. Listen, he doesn't wanna, he doesn't wanna just talk about what's wrong, he'll get to that. But first he's gotta build these people up. So listen to what he says. He says in verse three, we give thanks to God, to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, praying always for you. Now again, notice through this he's using our, right? Our God, our Father, we give thanks to the, to the God and Father of, of our Lord Jesus Christ. And then Paul says, 
that we're praying always for you. Do you kind of pick up as we've been introducing these letters that Paul was a man of prayer? You kind of catching on to that? I would, I would, I would think it would be just mind-boggling if we could get inside, if we could be, you know, travel back and, and just be in that prison with Paul. And unless Paul's a liar, which I don't think he is, this guy spent a lot of time praying for the saints in all of these towns. And again, as he writes other letters. And, and so listen, man, he's praying for the people in, in Ephesus. He's praying for the people in Philippi. He's praying for the people in Colossae. He's a praying man, right? Wouldn't you love to just sit and listen to his, his prayer list as he goes through? And listen, I don't think it was robotic and just, oh, I gotta get this done because I gotta write a couple letters here and I gotta get these things done. So he goes through. I think it's, I think it's heartfelt prayer. And he says, we're praying for you always. Now, again, one of the commentators say, no, he wasn't praying. It's kind of interesting as, as, as I read this. He says, listen, he's giving thanks always, but he's not praying always. And I'm thinking, where do you come up with that? I think he's giving thanks and praying always. Now, there's that. Now he says this. He says, listen, we give thanks to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, praying always for you since we heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and your love for all the saints because of the hope which is laid up for you in heaven, which you heard before in the word of the truth of the gospel. Now listen, there's a lot there. And as Paul's like unfolding this, he's trying to again Put these people in a frame of mind that, listen, you need to know who you are and you need to know what does it mean to be born again? What does it mean to have this relationship? And so first of all, uh, I wanna point out, he uses those three different terms, faith, love, and hope. Sound familiar? Paul uses those over and over. Listen, and, and I think bottom line, that's Christianity. Because of our faith, out of our faith, the fruit of that is love, and all of that is based on the hope that we have in Jesus Christ. So he's just like laying that foundation, saying it a little bit different, putting it in a little bit different terminology, but he says, listen, man, he says, we've been praying always for you. Why? Since we heard of your faith in Jesus Christ. When did he hear? I think when, I think when Epaphras showed up in, in Rome, I was gonna say in Philippi, in Rome. And I think he's going, wow. Here's, here's, here's what I think. I think Paul said, Colossae, really? Like there's a church in Colossae? Have you ever been to Colossae? Like it's nowhere. At least it could be Laodicea or Hierapolis that, that are like up on the hill, but Colossae, nobody goes to Colossae. Why did someone go to Colossae and plant a church? It's like going to Wilcox. That was for Pastor Jack. So listen, he's like going, why would someone go to Colossae? Why would they do that? Notice I didn't say Bisbee. Yeah. <laughs> Got to spread the love. So listen, and he's going, what? And I, and I kind of think, and he says, listen, man, I heard of your faith. Listen, since we heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and your love for all the saints. Here's what I'm thinking, man. I'm thinking Epaphras showed up. And he's going, Paul, you won't believe what happened. Now, how did Epaphras get saved? I think he got saved the three-year ministry or two-year ministry there in Ephesus. Remember when Paul hung out in Ephesus for a long time? So he's hanging out for a long time there in Ephesus, and as he's doing that, listen, as he's doing that, I don't know why this is doing this. Okay, so he's teaching at the hall in 
of, of uh, whatever hall it was, what's his face's hall. And he's teaching there for two years. I think Epaphras got saved, and here's what's important. He got saved, and what'd he do? I believe he was originally from Colossae. He goes home and shares the gospel. When was the last time you reached out to somebody in the world? When was the last time you, and listen, I know, I know, we're not all evangelists, I get that, but when was the last time you just expressed to somebody your love for Jesus and the fact, when was the last time you told them, hey, I'm going to church? And so listen, Paul, Paul, or Epaphras comes here and he tells Paul, man, I went and I planted this church and it's for real, listen, these people, they have faith in Jesus Christ. They don't just have faith in faith. It's not just some kind of blind faith. It's faith in Jesus Christ, what he's done, the person and work of Jesus and what he's done. And the proof of that is they love each other. It's amazing to think the love that they have for all of the saints and that's being spread around. Are you kind of getting the idea? And I think he was excited, right? Paul, I can't believe what happened. This is so exciting. And he, I don't think he busted into, into Rome there and into the place where Paul's chained up and said, man, Man, you won't believe what's going on, man. These dorks came into Colossae and are sharing this. Other stuff. I think he went in first and saying, hey, man, there's a great body of believers. There's brothers and sisters, and how do I know they're a body of believers? Because they've expressed faith in Jesus Christ. And because that then was expressed by love for one another. And all of that sprung out of, listen, it sprung out of, again in verse four, since, uh, because of the hope which is laid up for you in heaven. Listen, man, if you really believe that Jesus Christ died for your sins and that he was buried and he rose again on the third day and that he's coming back as we looked at last weekend, hey, you really believe that? You, your hope is in heaven. My hope's not here. If your hope's planted here, yuck, right? It's a mess here right now. Things are so scrambled up. Our hope is in heaven. And no matter how horrible it gets here, that hope is in heaven. And out of that hope then also comes the love for the saints and our faith is stronger and stronger. But notice he says this. He says, your hope which is laid up for you in heaven of which you heard before in the word of the truth of the gospel. Saints, the gospel is truth. And we need to know that. It's truth. I don't care what the world tells you. I don't care how they try and put it down. I don't care how they try and poo-hoo it. It is, listen, it doesn't contain truth. It is truth. And we need to share truth. Nothing's wrong with sharing truth. And Paul is pretty adamant about that. Why? Because he's gonna have to, in, in a couple chapters, well, in a few verses, he's gonna have to stand against the heresy that is being taught and the stuff that's coming in. And he goes, listen, you were given truth. You weren't given made-believe stuff. Who could make up the gospel of Jesus Christ? Really, when you think about it, who would make that up? Some guy dying on a cross is gonna take away your sins. All you have to do is believe that this guy who died on the cross, even today when we share the gospel, isn't it a little bit mind-boggling? You're telling somebody, hey, this guy died 2,000 years ago on a cross, and you know what that does for you? Wipes away all your sin. All you have to do is trust him. That's truth. And Paul says, listen, man, you guys put your hope, you have your hope in heaven based on truth, not fiction, truth. And then he says this, verse six, 
this truth which has come to you as it has also in all the world and is bringing forth fruit. Now here's a problem. A lot of people get uptight because here Paul says the word of truth, right? The gospel, the word came to you as it has in all the world. And they go, it couldn't have gone in all the world by now. And then you get into this whole thing. See, the Bible does have mistakes in it because this is all the world and it wasn't in all the world and bleh. You need to understand something. Where did Paul come from? Judaism. And what was the big deal about Judaism? Judaism was for Jews and nobody else. Nobody else was allowed in. Only Jews, only for Jews only, right? Where does the gospel go? To all the world. It's all inclusive. Anybody can come to Jesus. Do you see what Paul's saying? Listen, he's not saying it's already gone out into all the world. Here's what he says. The gospel, the truth, is for the whole world, not just the Jews, not just the Gentiles, but the whole world is invited. I believe that's what he's saying, and we don't need to get all that. Here's what cracks me up, man. Either people get on one side, the Bible has errors, or people get on the other side, and they try and, they try and defend the Bible, Hey, if you, have to defend a, if you have to defend God, you don't have a very good God. I, I think it was Spurgeon that says, says, you know, that's like trying to defend a lion that's gonna eat somebody, you know? You don't have to do that. So listen, he says, he says, he says this truth that came to you as it has also in all of the world and is bringing forth fruit. Listen, fruit is happening. Lives are changed. When you accept truth, it changes your life, doesn't it? Sure. Are all of us like mega fruit bearers? Maybe not. But I know in my life, when I accepted the truth of the gospel, my worldview changed. It's like I went to bed one night, and I think a, a lot of you know I got saved in my bed. I never did, a, never did an altar call, never raised my hand in church. I don't even know if I'm saved, but, uh, you know, I got saved in my bed. And, and uh, you know, and for me, it was real. And some people go, you never raised your hand in church. Are you sure you're saved? I'm pretty sure. <laughs> but listen, man, it's like I was in my bed that night crying out to the Lord, and, and I got up the next morning. My whole world changed. Why? Because I was born again. And because you're born again, you have fruit. And hey, some of us bear a lot of fruit. Some of us bear little fruit. But if you're born again, you're going to bear fruit. Fruit is going to happen in your life. And here's what, here's what, what Paul's saying. You guys, you accepted this truth and this truth that went, that's available for the whole world. He says it's come to you and it is also in, in all the world bringing forth fruit as it is also among you since the day you heard and you knew the grace of God in truth. Is that powerful? Listen to what Paul's saying. You knew what? The grace of God. How do you understand the grace of God? By the word of God. You can't get, listen, you can't understand the grace of God by trying to, to read some science book. You understand the grace of God because of the word of God, but I want us to notice something. Paul says, this came to you, you didn't come to it. Isn't that interesting? That the gospel, listen, the gospel comes to us, and the gospel will come to us by a person. You're not gonna get the gospel by osmosis. 
You're not just gonna like, you know, hum it up or, you know, do a Zen thing and, and it shows. You and I have this tremendous privilege, if you're born again, to share the gospel with other people. We get to be the gospel bearers. We get to be the people who bring the good news to others. And he says, listen, man, this came to you and it came to you and you accepted it and it changed you and you found out what grace was. Do you remember how precious that grace was? And I think it still is. But man, when you first believe, it's pretty incredible, isn't it? Isn't it incredible to, all my sins are gone. Now, I think it's important we, we grow in that and we understand. And I'm not saying it's still not beautiful, but man, that first moment, wow, yes, yes. And Paul says, that's what, that's what happened to you guys. Listen, that's what happened to you. And, and listen, it was since that very first day and you knew the grace of God in truth. Do you notice he's brought up truth a couple times now? Why? Because in the first century, just as it is in the 21st century, truth is important. And guess what was going on in the first century? People are coming against the truth. And people are putting out this stuff. You know, it's not so important to know truth. Just keep your eyes on me. Focus on me. Listen to what I have to say. I'm not telling you that. That's what they're saying. Some of you guys like went, whoa. So listen. And he's saying, he's saying, they're, they're trying to get you away from truth. You don't really have to believe that. You don't really have to buy into that. Has anybody ever told you, come on, man, you don't really have to buy into that Jesus stuff. And here's what Paul says, you guys, you guys from truth went from truth to truth. You went from the truth of the gospel to understanding grace, and you're standing in that. So again, trying to get them in the place where they're going to, when he brings up the heresies, they're gonna go like this. Oh, wow, I get it. If you've ever been tempted by a heresy, if, if you've ever been kind of down that road and all of a sudden it clicked for you, you know what I'm talking about. You start going down that road. I remember I was chasing a heresy and, and it was that, that King's Word Ministries and, and I was kind of chasing it. Only I wasn't chasing it to find out truth. I was gonna defend the truth. You one of those people? I'm gonna beat them up because I've known Jesus for two and a half weeks and I can straighten them out. And I remember this guy was visiting a missionary and, and he was asking me like, why are you getting into that? Why are you listening to those tapes? Why are you doing those things? And it was like, you know, duh, someone's gotta defend the truth and it might as well be me. And he goes, I wouldn't do that if I were you. He goes, you don't find out what's wrong unless you study what's right. He goes, why don't you study the truth a whole bunch and that will be glaring to you what's going on there. And I thought, oh, you are so naive. <laughs> and you get sucked down that path. And listen, man, you almost get sucked in and you have to be careful. And this is what Paul's talking about. Listen, not only do you have the truth of the gospel, you have the grace of God in truth. And then here's what I hear, here we're finally introduced to Epaphras, as you also in verse seven, as you also learn from Epaphras, listen, Epaphras walked in there, and I think as he's planning that church, man, he preached to the people in Colossae. He gave them the gospel. He gave them the truth, just like you and I. I think we have an obligation to give our generation the truth. Who's gonna tell this generation the truth if it's not us? 
And we have the responsibility and the tremendous privilege of sharing truth with others. And it's not really that hard. And guess what? You're gonna give some people the truth and they're gonna thumb their nose at you. They're gonna like, they're gonna mock you. They're gonna make fun of you. I don't think anybody's really gonna shoot you. I don't think that's gonna go on. So listen, we shouldn't be afraid, but most of us were afraid of being rejected. And nobody likes to be rejected, right? If you like to be rejected, that's weird. So I don't think we'd like to be rejected, so then we're hesitant to share because we're feeling like people reject us. Remember this one thing. They're not rejecting you, they're rejecting God. And God is big, he can take it. And you don't have to save them. You're not obligated to save anybody. All you're obligated or have the privilege of doing is sharing the gospel and God will do the work. The Holy Spirit will do the work. So uh, here's what I love, man. I think when Epaphras, I think he like, like hiked, it was like 100 miles from Ephesus to, to uh, uh, Colossae. I think he like went, man, I'm gonna go. You, you know, he was like on fire, right? Man, I got saved in Ephesus. I'm going home. And he went in there and he came in and he gave them truth. And here's what Paul says. You learned it from him. And he says, Epaphras, our dear fellow servant, who is a faithful minister of Christ on your behalf. Wow. That's a mouthful, isn't it? Now, I think oftentimes we hear minister, and because of our generation, our culture, we think of the minister. Well, the word minister in the Bible is servant. It's not a title, it's not what you give somebody who's, who's doing something great. It's a servant. So here's what I think is interesting. He says, here's this Epaphras, our fellow servant, who is a faithful servant of Christ on your behalf. Man, he walked in. Have you ever gone back to your home place? Shared the gospel? Now, I kind of consider, I was kind of blessed. I never left Bisbee. I got saved in Bisbee. Well, I left a few times, but, but like, you know, not permanently till I moved to Sierra Vista. But hey, I grew up in Bisbee. I got drafted. I went to the Army, came back, worked for Phelps Dodge, went away for a while, worked for them in, in Washington State, came back to Bisbee. I was the Bisbee guy and started making pottery, got saved in Bisbee, went to Bible college. I went back to Bisbee and, and planted a church and shared my faith openly with the, everybody I could in Bisbee. I remember my 20th, anver- my 20th anniversary, my 20th, what do you call it, reunion? School reunion came up. And this girl that I, I went to school with came and she says, hey, Pat, why don't you come to the, come to the reunion? I go, ah, I don't wanna go. Everybody's just 20 years older, a little less hair and a little more bulge. And I just like don't wanna hang out with those people. And I got nothing in common with them. And I thought, ah, Marilyn, I don't think I'll go. And she was in our shop, our pottery shop. And she goes, come on, man, you need to go. You need to just, just show up. You know, you're still here, just come. Ah, I don't want to go. She goes, what if I let you pray for the meal? I'm there. <laughs> I'm coming. Because you can pray preach. Any of you pray preach? Yeah. Oh, Lord, bless this food and save these souls and work in people's hearts here. But I got to listen my whole class that I went to school with. It kind of, I came out of the closet, so to speak. I mean, everybody's there, right? And here's the funnest thing is like they came up and you got saved. Now, because I went to school with them and we'll just leave it at that. 
But you get, listen, we owe it to people to give them the gospel of Jesus Christ. Doesn't, again, hey, and there were some people wanted nothing to do with me. You know what was interesting? This is a whole side note. You know what sort of blew my mind is we went, and then there was a picnic uh, a Sunday afternoon. So, so Gaynell and I decided to go, and I don't know how many of you remember, that was a time when, do you remember the T-shirts from Living Epistles? Remember that company? Someone nod their head, yes. Just pretend you know them. Living Epistles, they were a t-shirt company that were very bold in their message. Everything they put on there was, was in your face, bold about the gospel. So we put on our Living Epistle. I don't remember what I had. I think mine was like, like Jesus with the, the thorn of crowns and, you know, who do you say that I am? I think it's what it said, something like that. So very bold stuff. So we all, and I put on our t-shirts and stuff. Here's what was interesting. The Christians who talked to us the night before, oh, we're so glad you got saved. Praise the Lord. When we had those T-shirts on, they go, oh, you're those kind of Christians. Oh, we didn't know that. And they like migrated away. It was kind of odd to me. But you know who, you know who drew us in? The unbelievers. Hey, Pat, come over here and sit with us and talk to us. And listen, we need to be careful and we need to understand people need the gospel. And just because some people reject you doesn't mean everybody in, hey, I'm not gonna pretend, yeah, everybody that was unsaved in my class got saved that weekend. <laughs> that would be a great story, wouldn't it? It'd be a lie, but it'd be a great story. But listen, man, Epaphras went and he shared with them and they learned from him and they grew from him and he was a servant. We need to remember we're servants of Jesus Christ. And if we're his servants, we need to serve those around us with the gospel of Jesus. I'm not saying we all need to be evangelists. I don't think I'm an evangelist. I try to do the work of evangelism when I'm sharing from up front, but I don't think I'm an evangelist. Hey, I've met some evangelists when you've got the gift of evangelism, power poles get saved when you walk by. You know, they kind of cry out to you. So listen, man, they, they barely say anything and people run up to them. What do I have to do to get saved? Like, why does that happen to you? Because I'm an evangelist. That's what, no, they don't do that. But you kind of, you get my point? So I, listen, I'm not saying we all have to be great evangelists, but we can share what Jesus Christ did in our lives. And we can let people know the truth. Here is the truth. Again, not being, not being rude, not being mean, but here is the truth. So, so then he ends this, listen, he says, he says he's a faithful servant of Christ on your behalf. Then listen, verse eight, who also declared to us your love in the spirit. Oh, you see, Epaphras knew there was heresy going on in the church. But what, is he, what does he tell Paul? They love God. And I'm convinced, listen, I'm convinced a lot of people get caught up in heresy who love Jesus. But they're ignorant. And I don't mean ignorant, I don't mean that in a de demeaning way. They don't know the word of God. They don't, they're not gonna defend the faith. And they get sucked in. Hey man, when somebody comes and tells you some mystical, magical thing, kind of like, well, never mind. Something popped in my head about the 60s. So... We'll just leave that there. But when people come and tell you, hey, you can have this tremendous experience, all you need to do is this, what happens? We're drawn into that. Ooh, really? I can have that? Yeah, you can see Jesus if you just, and they start talking to you. And we go, okay. But if you know the words, you're gonna go, ah, I think you're lying to me. 
I don't think you're telling me the truth. And so Epaphras knows these people love Jesus. This is my point. Listen, he says, he declared your love in the spirit. So now Paul's introduced himself, introduced who he's writing to, and kind of laid the groundwork for starting to minister to the people in Colossae. And he kind of just laid that out. And so next week, we'll begin to look at Paul addressing, listen, he will begin with this one simple truth. Jesus is enough, period. Jesus is sufficient. I think I said this weekend, and maybe it was even last Thursday night, when Jesus is all you have, that's when you realize Jesus is all you need. And we gotta come to that place. Listen, I I don't want us to get to the place where, man, we're so dumped that Jesus is all we have, but I want us to realize Jesus is all we need. And if you know Jesus, you can walk through fire. I think we sang that, didn't we? You can walk through fire, you can do any. So listen, those aren't just make-believe stuff, that's truth. Let's stand up and pray. Father, as we get ready to come to your table, I do pray, God, I pray that, God, you would draw our hearts so close to your heart that we would realize this isn't just a ritual or just a religious act, but we're having fellowship with our God. We call it communion. In the first century, they were calling it koinonia, fellowship, gathering. And I pray that as we gather around the cup and the bread, that, Lord, you would draw near to us and that our hearts would be so entwined with your heart that this would be one of those special times in our relationship, one of those great times where we think about this church at Colossae and their love for you, and, and I'm looking around and I see a bunch of people that love you. So as we come, Lord, let it be a, a blessing to you but Lord, also a blessing in our hearts, and we pray these things in Jesus' name, amen.